0: Hello.
1: Hey guys. Hey.
0: Hello.
2: Where are they? I don't know. What? Wait. Watch where you're going. I think I stepped in an old. You got the light cereal bowl. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just. Fits. Hey, check that one. Is this stuff still on? The lights on. I think. I think this stuff is on.
3: Might as well. In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the
1: Hall of Dogma...
0: All right, welcome to episode 101, brought to you by firefighters, beer wagons, and evil fur traders everywhere. I am Nathan, the Benefactor Martin.
2: I am Chris, the King of Memes Atwood. And I'm
3: Jeremiah, Captain Cadaver Martin. Hi, this is Steve.
0: And and, uh, so, any uh, (laughs) obviously, uh, the guys are not around, so we're just going to take over and... uh, uh, any guesses on the uh the, the what were brought by? Anyway? Uh,
2: something about firefighters and fur traders like Lewis and Clark.
0: Exactly. Lewis and Clark. <laughs> Lewis and Clark were the 101st people to get to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> it
2: took them exactly 101 miles to do that.
0: <clears throat> no, Dalmatians, guys. Dalmatians.
2: Oh. All right okay. good talk
0: so uh, obviously <laughs> obviously, we are not the usual gospel friends. Uh, we are just uh, here uh, looking for the gospel friends and we happened upon an empty hall of dogma and uh, do you guys have any uh, theories on where these guys have gone?
3: hmm I mean it only makes sense that they're in a, um, a Calvinist rehab program.
0: absolutely. So what exactly does a Calvinism rehab program look like?
3: Um, Well, eventually they realize that they were not predestined to be there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But are they predestined to leave?
3: That is uh, to be determined. That is absolutely Uh, the question. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why we are here doing episode
0: 101. Yeah, so we uh, traded in four Baptists for four Pentecostals, which is, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, going to be uh, pretty uh, phenomenal, I think. But, uh, so we're going to give this a shot and uh, uh, see what's going on. Um, so, uh, uh, so, Chris, you have, uh, uh, what were you thinking? So.
2: What were you thinking? Uh, now it's time for a story, actually, reporting from the Buckeye State, Ohio. Um, So, what were you thinking? And also, this is a little bit of a two-way perspective on this. Because, first of all, it comes from uh, Lancaster, Ohio. Uh, This is one of those questions uh, that only people like Brad Melton can answer, um, seeing his his tie with the Walmart Corporation. So, basically, what ended up happening, though, was um, (laughs) you're... You're in a Walmart parking lot, which let's just you know imagine that you, you've done that, so you're familiar with it. And as you're in Walmart, you see lots of interesting things. And let's just say that you've even worked at Walmart, like myself, many, many moons ago. And Jeremiah. And Jeremiah. Is and in me. me. Good company here. And while you're there, you're out there doing one of those jobs that everyone has to do. You're pushing carts and getting carts from the cart corral. And out of nowhere, you're assaulted. Now, sometimes you would think some of the people and the characters you would see that you could be assaulted by would be terrifying, um, such as characters or content from people of Walmart website. But instead, you get this. Fox 59 reports that in Lancaster, Ohio, a pet monkey got loose in a Walmart parking lot in Lancaster, Ohio Sunday night after apparently escaping from a recreational vehicle. Now, let me actually clarify this a little bit more. There is a video on this article, but it also talks about how there's the video. It looks like he was taken from a cell phone out of a bystander's window that was going by and seeing this. But Rachel Stewart shows a store employee trying to corral a diaper-wearing primate (laughs) near (laughs) (laughs) near the shopping cart return area. Now, just to give you a little bit of a mental visual, as I remember seeing this video very recently, because it doesn't wear out no matter how many times you watch it. One of those. It's uh it's it's like, you know, an old cowboy who is still bow legged after riding for hours on a horse. <laughs> he's he's doing that kind of you know, scurrying across the parking lot bow legged and he's got his arms way up in the air like he's some sons of anarchy motorcycle riding, you know, character. He's just got Arms going, and he climbs on top of the cart corral and just goes WWE all over this Walmart guy. So basically, uh, when the man uh, gets loose finally from the grips of uh, King Kong here, the monkey can be seen jumping from the metal railing and grabbing him by the arms and the clothing. And then a woman runs up to the employee yelling, Let him go! Let him go! If he bites you, they will put him down inner pita here uh but the woman grabs the monkey by the hand and walks to an rv parked in the lot a 911 caller called uh told the emergency operator that the walmart worker had been bitten but lancaster police later determined that the animal had only grabbed the man and that he was unharmed so since he wasn't hurt no report was filed according to the police the department of agriculture is still trying to identify the woman to find out of the monkey and how it had Gotten out, uh, whether it was even registered here in Ohio. <clears throat> so, what were you thinking, first of all, going to Walmart? Because sometimes that can be a bit of a, a brain lapse in itself to make a choice in life like that. But what were you doing at Walmart with a huge monkey?
0: Well, you were in an RV, right? So, Walmart parking lots are notorious RV stayovers for those two cheap to get a campground or someplace else. So uh, we used to have at Walmart when I was working there, we used to have tons of RV, RVs parking outside. Just So that doesn't shock me. Actually, you know what? There's pretty much zero in this story that shocks me. <laughs> except one piece. Alright? The person who's like, I'm just gonna stick my hand out the window and take a <laughs> cell phone video of this. Because I want to be famous on YouTube. <laughs> but that That's really it. I mean, there's really... It says a lot about our country. <laughs> like, there's nothing of that that really shocks me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man.
2: I, I, I just wonder if it was, like, Carney's coming through for the night staying or something. Or, like, maybe they were going to a Trump rally. Or, like, I don't... <laughs>
0: very well could have been that's beautiful that's social media presence though. The,
2: the one other double side of this coin of what were you thinking not just what were you thinking bringing a primate a large primate to walmart but let's put yourself in the shoes of the blue vested walmart warrior um what what do you think when you are out there doing your your job for minimum wage in this poo-flinging beast that is hairier than me Comes at you and climbs the top rope of the metal yukar corral and just comes swinging at you. What, what's, what's going through your mind? Are you thinking, will I ever see my wife and kids again? Um, am I going to be able to eat my bologna sandwich that I was looking forward to on my lunch break? Like, what's the last thing that goes through your mind? How about you, Steve?
1: I guess I circle back to my WWF days watching Hulk Hogan, but... Uh... I don't really know what I would do. I think I would run. That would be the first thing. First thing I'm thinking about: uh, use people as shields. I don't know. I mean, throw carts at him. I don't know. I think I would run. That would I think be I would my just first intuition. I think
0: I would just be praying that he didn't do bath salts so wouldn't start eating my face off. I mean,
3: having worked at Walmart. And, and kind of understanding a little bit of, of these uh, types of corporations, their risk philosophy on a lot of these types of things. Um, you know, when it comes to shoplifters, you're specifically briefed. Like, let them go. The authorities will deal with it. We've got security that will deal with that. You know, you're told not to deal with this. Don't deal with this. Don't worry about this. I'm wondering at what point in the orientation from now on is there a little blurb about... <laughs> you see a small diapered primate running across the parking lot oh, um they don't, don't Dis- <laughs> like don't don't touch it disengage
2: disengage if, if you if you watch the video you can google it and find it uh, fox 59 news but it isn't necessarily a small one either i mean this isn't necessarily you know tremendous king kong but this diaper wielding Warrior primate. I mean, it's not a little capuchin either. It's. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm wondering, does that video now become part of the orientation? <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a little asterisk in like the the computer
0: training. You have to click it, and it's like "see enclosed video." I wonder at what point this becomes an actual plot device on Superstore. That's all. On that Okay, so I guess we have a serial review, Jeremiah. Uh,
3: no. So I I found uh found this uh really interesting uh, article, um pretty pretty lengthy. Um, this was uh, posted in uh, August of 2013, so it's a little dated, but I would say just as relevant as ever. Um, it is on the uh, fantastic um, source of of news and and all things, all things viral, Um, The title is How to Make Oreo Cereal. Um, I saw this and uh, I, just, uh, I just had to click on it, couldn't refuse. Um, there is a picture of Oreo cookies in a bowl of milk, um, and then it says, actually, I don't have a recipe, just a picture, but I'll try to reverse engineer the construction process and then report back to you with complete instructions. Um, I have actually gotten with the author of this article, and uh, we, have, uh, we have since deconstructed this process, and we're going to try us some Oreo
1: cereal. Yes. All right.
0: Let's do it. Oreo cereal. So we have different steps for this, right? Okay. So uh, we got the uh, Oreos. Um, you can use any kind of Oreos. These are uh, Oreo minis. That we're using. So opening the bag of Oreos.
1: Well, we stumbled into this room and there's tons of old boxes of cereal. <laughs> I don't understand. Don't they eat this stuff?
3: Crapola?
2: Oh man. I can't believe they actually tried that. I know. Look at it. It's not even molded. It's it's like McDonald's bread. It's not even real. It might be a biodegradable substance. <laughs> It might not be a biodegradable substance. I think this is what they shot at that huge asteroid in uh, that one. What was that movie? Uh, where, you know, don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Armageddon? <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is what they fire at things
1: like that to save the world. That's exactly how I would describe that movie.
0: <laughs> All right. So we now have bulls and we now have milk. All right, so step one. So am I? you gonna walk us through this, or
3: I would say the most important step is to uh, is kind of a pre step. Make sure you have milk. Um, Make sure that the
0: bowls are actually <laughs> clean.
3: I can't say uh, can't tell right. you how many times I've been listening to the Gospel Friends and um, and they don't have milk for a cereal review. How in the world do you do a cereal review without milk? No, this is a fundamental
0: disagreement I have with the gospel friend. This,
3: this, this is just pure negligence. Let's, Let's talk about
1: them. that for a minute. So,
0: milk and cereal, I think, is very vital, right? So, my brother-in-law oh. hates dairy products to the point where he put the cereal in his mouth and let the milk run out the side of his mouth back into the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, True. <laughs> that's
1: that's not real. Right? That's not right.
0: cereal is a part. Milk is a part of the cereal experience. The All right. So step Oreo. one, Jeremiah, lead us in this thing. Um,
3: but yeah. So we have Oreo minis here. Uh, we have uh, dumped them into our bowl, and we are like, pouring the appropriate amount of milk into the mm. bowl. Oh. Here's one
2: other thing: uh, deconstructing your your taste for cereal, uh, making sure that you have good cold milk because yes. Another thing that these um supposed professionals of the gospel friends is you know nathan you were there as well as i on a visit um when you did did you do a cereal view while you visited uh yes yeah well, was your milk cold at all because i remember uh <clears throat> I was sitting out for a while and it was uh minimally cold
0: so the key to these cereal reviews is uh doing them a near a fridge or b at the beginning not at the end but uh, anyways, alright, so we're going to try this and do a, uh, a review, and we <laughs> always do a review based off of spoonage, uh, five spoons, five spoons being the top, um, zero spoons being the worst cereal ever, five, I don't, have they ever given a five spoon, has there ever been a five spoon I review? Don't,
3: I don't think that there has been.
2: The uh, apocryphal five spoon cereal is supposed to be the original Oreo cereal, therefore that's why we're doing this one, but... Um I looked it up actually, I believe Singapore was the last manufacturer of it, the, the company that did it, but they had fears of uh salmonella um actual <laughs> contamination, so there were some legalities
0: <laughs> involved and that's why they had just you not know make the purchase. This, you know what makes cereal just taste better? <laughs> the thought of salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> so so they definitely stopped, but um <laughs>
3: what what is your philosophy on soggy cereal?
0: Okay. Oh, that's tough one. I actually love soggy cereal.
2: Well, I actually
0: wait until my cereal gets soggy before I digest it.
2: Well, you're the general's antagonist, so that only is appropriate. So actually, I think it's um, it's kind of dependent upon the circumstance. There are certain cereals that it's good for, uh, but then there's other ones that's terrible.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think there's some cereals, like, for instance, Cap- Captain Crunch. If you just eat that fresh, I mean, that's like razor blades to the top of your mouth. Like, you have to let that that bad boy sit.
0: The mouthfeel is <laughs> not what you would call
3: stellar.
2: No. no it's definitely not. Actually, the, this wouldn't be general approved because within the first few moments of it sitting, steeping in the milk... Uh, it starts to soggy a little bit on the edges, and it's definitely like that—that um, that perfect timing you try to get when you're dipping an Oreo in milk Yum. before it falls yeah. apart in your fingers yes. and you lose it mm. to the abyss it's and like it goes down the Mariana's trench.
3: <laughs> and that's that's exactly actually exactly why I brought up the the topic of sogginess is because I noticed I took a, a bite almost instantly. And it was, the the mini Oreo was falling apart on my spoon. There you go. Which is not necessarily a negative thing. Um, I find this to be delicious.
0: And just one of my favorite, It's not. I don't know if you'd call it a cereal, but one of my favorite breakfast foods in milk is graham crackers and milk. And so graham crackers, sugar, and milk. But I love it when you overfill the bowl and you are able to, like, break up the graham crackers and they become soggy. It's one of my favorite things ever. So needless to say, I'm a big fan of this. Um, but, uh, Chris, you got a spoon rating for us?
2: I'm a fan of it. I like the way that it's uh, it's a good medium. It, it softens up just enough for me personally, um, but it still has a good crunchy center to most of the pieces that you've got intact. <clears throat> I'm actually going to give this a Four and a quarter on spoons, because it's great. It's um, it's better than candy for breakfast. And uh, I think the only nutritional value in this is the milk, and it's been tainted already. So <laughs> I I'm Wait for, for this. This is just screaming <coughs> America right in my bowl.
3: Yeah, your milk's looking a little brown there. Did you get your beard in a little bit, or is that just from the Oreos?
2: Yeah, I think I could probably like pepper this stuff into my beard and I would be ready for like some Just For Men or something. I would look like my my dad or someone's old man or Kenny Rogers.
0: <clears throat> oh, just like a touch of gray, almost. Yeah, oh, there you yeah.
2: go. Touch of gray.
1: Touch of Oreo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> touch of Oreo. It's, it's the next big thing. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: could market that. You can market
3: that. Alright, Nathan, what what'd you think?
0: Man, I'm, I'm with uh, Chris. I, you know, it did not get completely soggy um uh it was a little bit crunchy towards it obviously it's oreos so you don't have to worry about the nutritional value which means that nobody gives a flip about the colorization and all that stuff uh so i don't know i'm i'm a huge fan of this i think it's gonna be my next (laughs) my my latest go-to i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go four and a half spoons four and a half spoons this is this is the best cereal I've had <laughs> in a long, long time.
2: You also have to factor in, as the longer you let it steep, I mean, the, the drinking the milk at the end gets all the more better. It's oh, it's like co-
0: Cocoa, uh, Cocoa Krispies, you know, where you just let it sit in there, and then you have not only this non-nutritious thing you've just eaten and your mom has given you, but you also have chocolate milk at the end. Like, yeah. how great is that? Yeah,
3: very good. And I, I'd agree with uh, with both of you. Um, very good uh, very good cereal um, I'd go I'm gonna go a little bit lower actually I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four spoons I'd say overall very uh, uh, very top-notch cereal if you can call it that um, but it was it was delicious um, I would say it's not necessarily something that I'd have every day um, so when you're looking at kind of the grand scheme of, of cereals just you know it would not necessarily be my daily eater but um, yeah, four four spoons, very uh very solid uh very solid cereal.
0: I would say that if we can call this what we're doing a podcast, we can call this what we ate a cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Fair enough.
0: Alright. Oh, Steve.
1: Yeah. Um I'm gonna have to give it well, for me, I only I'm gonna be honest, I only had one bite of the cereal. Quitter. um well. Um, My doctor told me I'm pre-diabetic, so Jeremiah had to force-feed one bite into my mouth, with his spoon, mind you. So it was a little odd and weird, and I kind of felt like I was a baby for a moment. But um, What baby are you feeding (laughs) Ortonos? (laughs)
0: Hannah? His daughter? But
1: but since I may never be on this show again, uh, I'm going to give it a five, just because I want to be different. And
0: better right. than everyone else. Let's get this guy out. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Steve has mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> back to the recesses of the spirit. hall. There you go. All right. So we got a bit. We got a little bit of a, um, a call back to the uh, the days of old. Uh, Chris, uh, you have uh, the topic, main topic <clears throat> of the day: a uh, big deal, little deal, or no deal. And uh, what do you got for us, Chris? Well, one thing's
2: for sure is that we all enjoy a bit of Babylon B. Bee. It's been a great resource that has been popping up just in the last, what would you say, year, year and a half, something like that. It's been fairly new. Um, we've seen it making its appearance in the hall periodically. I think one of the most recent posts has been by our own Captain Cadaver and uh, the, what was it, the preaching in the Olympics, and it's got a picture of John Piper on the front. He, he's like the judo, uh, like, just of preachers, just those hand gestures. I think those are spiritual gifts given by God. use karate chops in the spirit. So we we do see here though that Babylon B, uh, it's awesome. Uh, at least majority of people would say so, and we're completely sure that um, we see the satire. <clears throat> well, at least ninety nine percent of people do. Uh, and with that though, I would ask a question though, playing the devil's advocate for the majority of I think people's opinions. With it being satire, uh, does it stroke the cynical part of us that sometimes we need to guard ourselves against as believers and as those in the church? Um, I guess there be a couple questions. I'll go ahead and ask, and uh, let's just walk through this together. Um, you know, is it something that we need to watch out for, especially with the cynicism that we do have uh, in the church, in Christian life, and especially for those sometimes that take the brunt of things, at the front end of ministry? Uh, but also, you know, is sarcasm. A constructive thing for a Christian. And you know, does someone always lose when sarcasm is employed? Uh so when it comes down to it, is Babylon B and other similar things uh, so enjoyable to us because we're permeated by cynicism in our society and a critical nature towards others in the body of Christ. So let's let's open this up for discussion.
3: Um so before we get into uh into that really deep discussion I just pulled up Babylon B, and I just wanted to go through a couple uh, couple uh, headlines here um, to give us some context to what we're talking about. Um, top news uh, in entertainment on Babylon Bee, CCM artist comes out as talented musician. <laughs> 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 Under Christian Living, uh, Family Christian introduces new protective Christian bubble for children. Um, looks like they also have a homeschool version of that. Um, and, uh, moving, moving down to, uh, some local news. Devout Mormon realizes he's been holding his Bible upside down all along.
2: I see now the protective bubble is actually sponsored by Answers in Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, says,
0: so. Says
2: the Pentecostal.
0: I... This is a little difficult. This this hits close to home because I happen to believe that sarcasm is a spiritual gift. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but I think that I think that it it definitely is something we have to guard against. I think we can be so cynical, and we can look for the little um, the satire in everything. Uh, it would be very difficult to be a part of a content generation site like Babylon B where you're having to come up with new stuff over and over again, right? It's one thing to come up with one little thing, um, on your Facebook page, whatnot. Of wow, this is satire. This is completely ridiculous. But over and over again, <clears throat> it takes a lot. You have to be looking for the satire and everything, and that becomes a little um, it becomes a little difficult. I think it would be a, a, very difficult for me to work for a content generation site like that uh, because I think it would go to the cynical part of my nature, uh, and that. I don't think would be the most spiritually healthy for me. Um, it's not to say that I don't enjoy uh, the Babylon Bee. I sure do. But uh, it's it's been really, uh, really phenomenal and funny. Mainly because it's kind of like The Onion. But it's from what I would classify as our worldview perspective. At least the things they uh, make fun of um, and, and bring to light uh, are definitely things that I would make fun of and bring to light. So... Um, definitely within my wheelhouse, but it does, it does kind of, I think, spark a greater question, which is, can we have, so what is the purpose of satire? The purpose of satire, I think, is to talk about subjects that are typically too taboo to have a rational discourse about. So we point at them in a a satirical way, almost like the emperor has no clothes, you know, and... We do it in that way uh, to be able to bring up really heavy topics, but be able to do them in a lighthearted way um, because we're almost too afraid to bring them up just in normal discourse. And so we use humor to kind of mask that. I don't know if that's the healthiest for a society. And i not, so, I, you know, the question becomes like, can a, can a society really have rational discourse where we are talking to each other and we're having these deep intellectual conversations? Um, can a world that exists in that realm, um, is satire a part of that? Uh, can satire exist in that world? Or are we so dependent on these satire sites because rational discourse just doesn't exist in our society anymore?
3: Yeah, I think, I think what you're getting at, the, the heart of it, is is finding that balance. Right. Because as you know, in this group, in this room, we've we've all um, enjoyed, you know, um, not just the Babylon Bee, but other satirical websites and, and found humor in that, um, because ultimately, you know, the, the best satirical pieces are, you know, so ridiculous that they could be true. And so um, when we're looking at it, you know, from a from a Christian worldview, it's, it's a it's a matter of having that balance between seeing the humor in it being willing to kind of make fun of yourselves make make fun of kind of you know abnormalities or oddities of different things that we do within you know within christian typical christian contemporary culture um, while not becoming so cynical because i mean i think i think i agree i think i think if i was if i was writing for one of these sites and i had to be constantly be thinking about these new topics and new new headlines i would probably become an extremely cynical um, Christian um but you know i I do think it's it, it can be a positive thing to point out the oddities, point out the the things that maybe aren't aren't quite right within our you know kind of subculture um as long as we're not going you know going too far i mean it's definitely an interesting question that you posed, Chris.
1: Yeah,
2: I think uh, there are things that we have put ourselves in a, a bubble, uh, ironically, like they kind of put on it's one of those. $499, morons.
1: by the way, the bubble. $499 <laughs> to get that.
2: Well, when it comes down to it, I mean, I think that there are things, especially, you see that this is within a sub, almost worldview genre of the, the church and Christians, um, which is a different monster and beast in itself at times, and uh, with with the way that we handle things, sometimes we just don't. And that's how we just handle, you know, topics and subjects. Um, definitely can see that, uh, with any, you know, young person going through puberty and sexuality, whether you go from the pendulum swing of the, I uh, kiss dating goodbye or, uh, just all out, you know, emergent. Okay. It's, um, you know, resurgence, maybe of a, a free love kind of thing is, a. Uh, We've seen in the, one of the most uh, recent articles that posted up in the Hall of Dogma that uh, as long as two consenting uh, believers, essentially, it's a, in a number of words of saying, is uh, if it gives them pleasure, or uh, I don't remember how it was worded, it was pretty much nonsense. But you have these two different pendulums that you can swing to. And I think that with us, sometimes we do as the church, um, we sweep things under the rug and they don't get handled as well. Uh, I think with satire, the way and the very nature of it, it's almost like, you know, um, a joke or a lie. Uh, it's not credible and there's no substance to it unless there is a grain enough of truth. And with yeah. satire, I think it helps put crosshairs and knock our own idols off the pedestals. Um, as you've seen that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it can bring you to a point of being cynical. I mean, some of these satire sites in the Christian realm, whether they be, uh, Babylon B, the Lark, or other ones of those kinds. I mean, it would be like—could you imagine if the pulpit bunker was actually humorous and funny? Uh, that might be a little bit more what the lines would be like. Uh, now, with that being said, though, um, they're equal opportunity offenders. So, whether they're going to, you know, make fun of Stephen Furtick having uh, the um, what was it—the <laughs> Yeah, the baptism. waterslide baptisms. I kid you not. Three closed groups that I'm in, uh, pr- comprised predominantly of pastors, credentialed ministers, and such of my ilk and my fellowship. There were people that took that serious and did not understand that that was satire. God help us that we're that <laughs> dull and dumb. Uh, but then you also do see that you know if, if the crosshairs do turn on someone else, you've had it on Stephen Furtick. Most, one of the most recent ones I noticed was one on Driscoll, now uh, new As the Driscoll Turns material is coming out and getting churned out. Um, But what if, uh, you know, God forbid, they they put the crosshairs on Bill Johnson or John MacArthur or James White or something else, you know. So I think it can be good. Uh, The Apostle Paul, I think he employed sarcasm. um, Very, very tongue-in-cheek at times and blunt like a shotgun to the face, telling the Galatians just wish they would emasculate themselves. Um, But it's good. We need to have a balance, though. I would not be able to walk that line, Uh, having to meet the quota, churning out content, and uh, we do need to be a people that are seasoned with grace and patience with one another, and uh, just uh, having a long suffering, which would not be easy, and we definitely do not default in our natures, so, it's good, I enjoy it, but... um, I don't know. I it is, consult your physician on dosage. I guess
0: it, it is. It is good to actually see some Christians have a sense of humor, which is amazing. I going back to I've always I've always employed some sort of uh, sarcasm. Um, I always jokingly say I have the gift of Stephen, um, where I have the ability to prick people's hearts. Uh, it doesn't really bode well. It didn't work out really well for Stephen either, but. Um, <clears throat> it does fall on those lines of uh I think I think sarcasm almost is a weakness in um our discourse though. I think that if if we had open and honest discourse, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have to resort to it. Uh you know, uh uh you brought up the the book I kissed dating goodbye and you know uh there was a lot of move in my youth group to Uh, The I'm dating Jesus thing. Uh, And of course, me being who I am said, well, I don't want to date Jesus because I'm not gay. And (laughs) that (laughs) went over really well, as you'd expect. But it was that kind of sarcastic humor that got people to think of how ridiculous that statement was. Um, And so, you know, it did a little bit of good, although... Still got in big trouble with my parents. Um, it, I think it does have a place. Uh, but I think it has a place where people are just using such bad logic that you point out the ridiculousness of the logic. And that's something I do all the time when someone says, you know, they're making this argument and it's so ridiculous and you just take it to the opposite end. Well, that would be like me saying da 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 And they go, well, that's ridiculous. And you go, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What would you say to the rebuttal of someone that sarcasm is the poor man's wit?
3: Um,
0: I would say that they probably need a better sense of humor and it's probably because <laughs> it's probably because they can't even afford a poor man's wit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know. But like I said, I, I agree with you. It's it's balance, like everything in life.
1: Yeah. I I think I'm going to agree with that. Um, I think, obviously, Paul was speaking not as an insult, but I think his sarcasm was meant for, at its very core, (laughs) to not be personal. I think he was just trying to draw attention to those groups of people. So, obviously, he wanted to grab their attention. I think he used that type of language to grab their attention. And once their attention was 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 given, then he jumps right into the correction or whatever. So I don't, I really don't think Paul was intentionally, like, personally attacking somebody. I think that's when it becomes, when the insult piece comes in, I think that's when it becomes, you know, probably too far to the left.
0: Yeah, so. and I think, I think there is a balance, too, of what we're attacking. Like, I do think there are some things that deserve to be sacred. Um. You know, Case in point, <clears throat> we had a, uh, I went to a Christian school, Christian college, and um, there was a, the choir, and uh, they were uh, using the restroom and were singing about uh, there is a river while they were using the r- r- the restroom, and the choir director did not take very fancy to that, right? But, uh, he, but he, he pulled them aside, so listen, we have to keep the sacred sacred, and some things some things are off limits to joking about um i and you know I think that <clears throat> the the there's a lot of instances where uh people are joking and uh you know uh, they're they're getting punished in the Bible and such, and I think that we do have to be careful that's that we're not crossing that line of making that sacred not sacred anymore because we're making light of it uh and I think that that's that could be where the line could definitely be, um, and that that would be hard as Christian um, um, satirists of how do you how do you keep that because your your materials in the Christian community, you're talking to people in the Christian community, you're going to upset people because people are just <clears throat> being offended is the new well, let's just face
2: it the material in the Christian community is ample.
3: <laughs> that, well, that is true. <laughs> Um, so, that's the thing too is is i think I think in general, what you're saying I would agree with, but the thing is within the community within the Christian community, um, we have often erred on the side of no humor versus humor, and because in an effort to make sure that we are not making fun of something that should be sacred or going too far in that direction, that's one of the reasons that i that I appreciate the humor most of the times, uh, you know, within Babylon B is because it's, it's taking some of that and like pushing people out a little bit past their comfort zone of what they might typically be willing to uh, address in in a comical way. Um, because the opposite is true that there are things that we hold as sacred that, that aren't sacred. Um, and, and and you, so there's a real danger there of it just becoming a sacred.
1: Yeah obviously That's, I don't think he was saying don't joke. I think he was just saying don't have course joking. Course that means <coughs> you know, super negative. So did someone find the Rob Bell <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alright, um Do you
0: have anything else that we're gonna talk about?
3: I mean it was it was mentioned, so we might as well we might might as well bring it up. Um, th- this article from the Christian post, um, that says, uh, single Christians can have sex as long as it's mutually pleasurable and affirming, pastor says. So, uh, big deal, little deal, no deal.
0: <laughs> I think it's a big deal. Well, my, the worst part of that whole thing was their, their discussion of what, um, what chastity is and being chaste. So in one sense... It was almost it was almost as if she like looked it up in the dictionary and she's like, "Whoa, this dictionary definition of chaste doesn't mean all this stuff and so they, I think they were looking at <clears throat> from the uh from that aspect of, but it,
2: it this is where Nathan takes a very deep breath and then he just lets it all out yeah
0: <laughs> I think that the way we talk about sex in the church is very screwed up. And I've said this for a very long time. I think that we shouldn't talk about abstinence in the church. And what I mean by that is that we, we, we talk about abstinence, 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 abstinence as if sex is somehow bad. And I think that causes a lot of issues later on in people's marriages when they are basically sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. And then all of a sudden they're in a relationship where um, sex is... Su- not supposed to be bad, right? It's supposed to be enjoyed, and um, psychologically they can't get that to that point, and I think that that caused a lot more damage. I think when we talk about when we talk with our kids about what the Bible really means about it, I think talking about it in um, in chaste terms or chastity terms is more appropriate. And why is that? Because just because I have a wedding ring on doesn't mean that i can't i don't stop practicing chastity you know when i'm on the road when i'm traveling on business i have to be chased i'm called to be chased right and so it's a matter of being able to explain to my daughters of you know what <clears throat> i'm called to being ch- chased as well and it's all about circumstance and there will be a time where you're going to be able to enjoy this wonderful gift but this time's not now. You're called to be chased. You know what? I'm called to be chased too. And it's not easy. You know, when I'm when I'm out on the road in a hotel alone, you know, it's not it's not easy. There's there's temptation there. Just like there's gonna be temptation for you until you're married. But understand that we're all in this together. And I think it's more of a communal thing versus putting young people and single people into a box separate from us and being able to like Na 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 boo boo, as we point to our wedding rings and joke about, you know, uh, <laughs> marital relations, you know. It's, but it's a matter of we're all in this together and we're all called to be holy and we're all called to be chaste. Uh, and so, my biggest problem with the article is how they kind of made light of that, um, made light of that chaste or chastity uh, um, vantage point.
3: Yeah, no. There, there's a there's a quote in the in the in the article that I'd like to read, and it talks about that very thing. Um, you know exactly what uh, chastity is, but then it, it so the, the the initial premise it seems like is the same um, between the author and what you're what you're trying to say, but then their conclusion based off of that like goes in wildly different directions, which is interesting. So this quote it says American Christians sometimes conflate celibacy. In chastity too, which is a problem. Chastity is a virtue related to temperance. It's about moderating our indulgences and exercising restraint. We're all called to exercise chastity in a variety of ways, though the details will vary given on our individual situations. Uh, now that quote, I don't think that any of us here would disagree with, and I think that goes to Nathan's point. But then it says, quote, In the official teaching of the Catholic Church and some other churches, however, chastity requires resta- restraining oneself, from indulging in sexual relationships outside of the bonds and bond, bounds and bonds of marriage that is chastity for singles equals celibacy no sex i'd argue that we can be chaste faithful in unmarried sexual relationships if we exercise restraint if we refrain from having sex that isn't mutually pleasurable and affirming that doesn't respect the autonomy and sacred worth of ourselves and our partners um Yeah. So it's like, like I said, I mean, there's a, the starting point, um, seems to be the same, but then the conclusions based off that just, just veer right off the highway and off the cliff.
0: So what's prohibited in that? Like sex is pleasurable. I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that. Um, so really she's just talking about rape is bad. Don't rape anybody. Like <laughs> everything else, hey, as long as it's consensual and pleasurable, like how that, that seems very, uh,
3: yeah. I mean, mutually pre- pleasurable and affirming, I mean, that could go in so many ways. Um, I mean, we're already seeing that in some ways in our culture when it comes to this, this slippery slope that once you affirm certain things, it's, it's, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to affirming other things. I mean, realistically within this, uh, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but there's, there's no, there's no backing away from the fact that this could also include siblings, that this could also include, you know, um, you know, uh, pedophilia. I mean, there's a lot of, as long as it's mutual. Now, obviously we have laws of what is, you know, what is consent and, and how you can and cannot consent. But, I mean, there is a lot of area here that basically, to Nathan's point, opens it up to just about everything under the sun, um, as long as it's not rape.
2: I think when it comes down to it, though, we're missing a portrait and a picture. I think there's divine brushstrokes that have been given. Uh, we've discussed it slightly in the Hall of Dogma, but uh, my personal stance, even though I've heard you know, a few that have disagreed, my approach is that... I think that there is the picture that God has given, uh, especially where um, Paul talks about in Ephesians with the you know illustration of the the church and uh, being the bride of Christ. And throughout Scripture, I believe from Genesis to Revelation, there is this picture of a bride and a bridegroom and a wedding. and uh, you know, as Paul talked about in Ephesians, I think that we miss sometimes um, we, we've not handled this very well. And therefore, when we have a society that is not, you know, understanding what to do and confused and led by, you know, hedonistic desires, um, how can, how is it then that we can rail as hard and shake our fists as, you know, vehemently uh, when they've not been led well sometimes because we have fumbled the ball in the church and from the pulpit, so... That's one of those things where I think that we, need to, we need to lead the charge and step up. But when it comes to, you know, the why, the exactly the who, when, where, why is it that we, we proclaim, you know, uh, just a monogamous marriage, a union between a man and one wife, one man, one wife before God, you know, until death, um, I think it's because we miss the point And sometimes we don't adequately explain that, you know, um, God and Christ being the husband and us being the bride It's not a portrait of marriage, but marriage is the portrait of the greater reality of Christ as our husband and us as his bride. Uh, When we we miss that, then I think the whole ball of yarn just unravels. There's this scarlet thread of redemption um, that is the gospel picture. And um, that gospel picture of new life being planted in to uh, those who would open themselves and who are, you know, um, just... Have Christ revealed to him the glory and that union, that covenant? I just, I think there is a picture that's being missed sometimes, and if we miss that, then not only does you know that fall apart, then our ethics, our um, sexual worldview, also then will follow as the uh, snowball tumbles.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I I agree completely that as a church, we've just we really have sucked about talking about this topic. I mean. <clears throat> I know that even growing up in the church um talking about this one aspect of humanity sex and what is proper what's improper it was almost ignored to the point of detriment you know and uh I think that we um we go a long way in uh if we just talk about the overarching view of humanity well in every aspect
1: i think i mean i i'm raising a 16 year old son right now and i think the one thing that matters to me when i when i explain these kinds of things to him is what does it be what does it mean to become one flesh i mean you can't just skip over that verse and say okay now you're going to become one flesh you're leaving your mother and your father Mm -hmm. and you're going to go be with your wife and then what does that one flesh look like so that needs to look glorious, that needs to look beautiful to him, that needs to be attractive to him, it doesn't need to be something that's negative or bad, and and that's what we've done as a church, and um, you know, that's why we're here to change those kind of things, that's that's why we raise kids in such a way that they they look at all the negative that's in the world and they look at all the ways that we've perverted it, and then they look at what does the Bible say about that, and then what, is, what does mother and father say about that and what does that should look like, and I, I shouldn't feel bad when I enter that bedroom that night on that glorious day and I'm with, with my...
2: <laughs>
0: Climbing the palm tree?
1: Absolutely. Uh. Anyways, one flash It's <laughs> good stuff.
0: Pomegranate hunting. Yeah. That's better than Pokemon Go, y'all. be <laughs> <laughs> Else we got um,
1: so KFC um, is notorious for all kinds of great products uh, that come out for um, different reasons uh, you know anytime you anytime you're reaching for the next best thing I always think about KFC because they're creating things all the time uh, whether it goes in your belly or on your skin and obviously um, we just recently come across a story They hit the top news. This is top news in the UPI. Uh, KFC creates chicken-scented, extra-crispy sunscreen. Because when I think about KFC, I want to rub all that oil right up on me to keep (laughs) keep myself from burning in the sun. Extra-crispy sunscreen designed to smell like chicken. Um, I don't really know so where to go with that. So is it safe to say that they deep fried it so that you don't deep fry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Trademark money right there. Absolutely. Absolutely, Royalties. The chain tweeted an announcement on Monday offering that the KSC Colonel Sanders Extra, extra Crispy SPF 30 sunscreen for free on a special website and the run of... 3,000 was advertised as available until September 30th while supplies last, uh, which turned out to be a pretty short amount of time. Uh, This was a limited-time offer, and they ran out of this special sunscreen, and then they offered up an apology, saying, "We, we apologize for this amazing product not being available. Uh, so the sunscreen was built as a real product, but not as a food product. So I don't really know where to go and where you go from here, but it smells like chicken, is what I've been told.
3: So so on a on a previous episode of The Gospel Friends. Yeah, let's bring that up. They they talked about they talked about uh, a KFC um, nail polish. Um, Nathan, Nathan's having a conniption fit over here. I don't know
0: what's going on. You can literally taste like chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why, not? <laughs> Why not?
2: Not not recommended for use for missionaries to cannibals. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So,
2: Nathan's about to urinate.
3: <laughs> I think. Yeah. Oh. So, so even in the article, it says the sunscreen comes after the company released a line of edible nail polish in South Korea designed to taste like the company's fried chicken. Um, and I do believe the Gospel Friends uh, talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, I mean. For me, it just sounds like they started with nail polish, and they're like, "All right, where do we go from here?" I mean, why don't we just coat the rest of their body um, <laughs> with chicken? I mean, why stop with the fingernails? Why stop with with such a small portion of the body? Let's just let's just go full force uh, the rest the rest of this your is the kind life. of
2: stuff that you know the, the the Martin brothers here are veterans. These this is the kind of things that these guys fought for. All right. America. America.
0: I am self-editing so bad right now <laughs> <laughs> this is, I was, I'm like nope I can see
2: the gears turning nope. behind your eyes too so, nope. so have,
3: have you guys ever noticed that like on a lot of different products uh, body care products like like deodorant uh, you know shampoo other other type of body products it says you know for topical use only and you and you wonder like like why are people ingesting this or like why where would this go other other than your skin? I think that not only do they have to have a, uh, a a warning label on this, but I mean, frankly, you are you're you're promoting it as flavored sunscreen. People are going to try it. So whether you say it is not a food product or not people are still going to try
1: i would have a hard time not nibbling on my arm i, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean it's diet friendly absolutely no calorie
3: C- can you just like spread it on like rice cakes or like use
2: it in salad or like
1: <laughs> use it on chicken i don't
2: <laughs> like how many points on the weight watcher system is it
1: why is George Hamilton the Colonel Sanders in this picture? For this product? I don't understand. Wonder what
2: it's like for like all the different colonels they've been going through. Like, is there a walk of shame, you know, for them? Like they sorry, KFC has used you and you're done.
0: <laughs> Poor Norm McDonald.
2: <laughs> no. Now he's just stuck with the general and not our general.
0: Alright. So, other relevant topics before we close?
3: There is literally nothing in the Google Doc. What did you expect, <laughs> Nathan? I mean, I, I will say, I'm a little, just like slightly less judgmental about the Gospel Friends and their preparation for podcast, <laughs> But just only slightly less. And if uh, but of- I am not less judgmental about them not having milk. That is uh, an egregious mistake. It is unacceptable. And if we ever get them out of rehab, um, we will ensure that they um, have a, a constant supply
1: of fresh, cold milk for their uh, for their cereal. Do liters. they accept minute? Do they accept any kind of like visitors at the rehab thing?
0: I think they take their cell phones away from them. I think it's pretty much full rehab.
1: Um, I. I mean,
3: frankly, I don't think that they they make it known where this, uh, you know, Calvinist rehab clinic is. I mean, I think... It's a clinic,
1: then? Not a center? I mean, do they go away, or...? I, I think it's like a
3: whole resort-type
1: thing, but uh,
3: um, it is, I mean, all-inclusive, um, but, <laughs> it's like, but... It's like <laughs> the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that they keep the, the location unknown, um, you know, for worry of, you know you know calvinists from all over um coming picketing rioting um you know destroying things looting i mean it, it just it would just be really bad if, if they knew where this location was john
2: piper would be out front like with picket signs you know you're double predestined here in this place
0: <laughs> is that like double dog bear <laughs> All right, so I have another relevant topic.
3: <clears throat> Pulled that out of nowhere.
0: Hey. <laughs> Not Thank out of nowhere, support. but... So we talked a little bit about... Uh, we talked about 90s youth groups. And uh, a lot of us survived 90s youth groups. Or early aughts for some <laughs> in the room. Um, so what are some of the worst things that happened in youth group that you have no idea how in the world they took place? One
2: time I shocked myself with a dog collar and I passed out. Well, for a brief moment, I did.
1: <laughs> what? What you gotta God explain that, that. that was a Was that in the youth group. <laughs>
2: Well, it wasn't youth group sanctioned. I just... <laughs> you just
1: brought it? <laughs> I,
0: yeah. I, <laughs> Your youth group was so bad. <laughs> you were like, you know what? We might be playing Chubby Bunny tonight. <laughs> but I'm going to shock the bejesus out of it.
1: I'm bringing this shot
0: collar to
1: the youth group tonight. It's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, we,
2: there was one that I, we had a, uh, my dad and I lived with my dad, uh, predominantly at custody, spent time with him. And, uh, we had a large, predominantly black lab breed dog and had one of the shot collars, had the two little metal prongs to contact the skin. And, uh, I just was wondering, I wonder how much juice this thing has. So myself and, um, ironically, another topic we were thinking about discussing, um, two of the PKs, uh, it was their idea also egging me on. So we we took it because they said, hey, I got this shot collar that we got now. Bring it tonight. Let's mess around with it. So I did. And um, definitely put that thing, not strapped to me, but with my own bare hand, held it up to my neck uh, right below my ear, And uh, hit the button, and next thing I know, I was falling, not in control, not completely coherent mentally. And uh, the next thing I do know is I was, I don't know, um, so many degrees to the side, about halfway completely fallen. And uh, I had felt the charge of electricity go down my neck, down my left arm that was holding it to my neck back up my left arm, across my chest, and as it was starting to go down my right arm, I did the only thing I knew to do, and somehow I threw the remote across the room. When I let go of the button, it stopped. I kind of gained control, and I hit the floor, and I just laid there for a moment. So, youth group story from
1: Chris Atwood. <laughs> There's really nothing that can top that, Chris, except for being a part of a mind team team. Or a drama team, and doing a drama routine to a Ray Bolt song.
0: <laughs> 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 Just nothing that could top that. So. Uh, which which Ray Bolt song? Thank you. It, it has. To be.
1: <laughs> Thank you for the anchor
0: bolts. It both of which I sang for Town. I am Teen so talent.
1: glad you came. <laughs> that was a good rendition
0: there, Jeremiah. Hey, yo, <laughs> um, I think that Lockins. like how in the world more bad things didn't happen at Lockins? I have no idea. But I want to know which youth leader thought that would be a good idea to start, right? He's like, you know what would be awesome? Like, I can barely stand being with these people for three days out of the week. <laughs> But let's just lock ourselves in the church for an entire night. Because, you know the what? thing ever. There is nothing bad can possibly happen in this large place.
2: Or, or uh, when someone gets the brilliant idea to do uh, communist church. Or what was that other game where like everyone has to pile into like the hiding place where you find the person? Like Sardines. Yeah, Sardines. There you go. Playing communist church or sardines in a pitch black church, and you've got you know opposite sexes of hormone driven teens who can't think logically to save their lives, and yeah, bad things happen. Like who thought that? That's that's yeah. just a um, an insurance claim waiting to happen.
3: So not only are you saying, all right, we're going to lock all of the kids um, into this giant building that we we are outnumbered, like you know. 10 to 1, 20 to 1 when it comes to adults compared to, to teenagers. So there's no way we're going to keep track of them. In addition, we're actually going to encourage them to run throughout the church and hide in the darkest, uh, the, the deepest, darkest areas
2: of the church. Well, and TBN's ratings would go up if they had their own teen mom
1: show, so... You know. <laughs> 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 on that note.
3: Oh. So so the Gospel Friends, I, I, I forget who brought it up initially, um, but they've, they've talked a couple times about um, you know, being, being youth pastors or youth leaders and just, just kind of bad, bad youth leader moments. And so I have a pretty good one that I'll bring to the table since we're, since we're kind of on the topic. Um, when I was in college, I was doing uh, an internship at my local church, and the, uh, and the youth pastor invited me to go to Winterfest, um, which is, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a weekend, weekend long, uh, retreat for, for teenagers, you know, get them spiritually hyped up and, you know, uh, get them saved and, and get them sanctified and, and filled with the Holy Ghost and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, it generally really good time, uh, really good results, really good, uh, um, you know, just, just great time. But, Um, me as a college student invited to be a chaperone, um, that was the youth pastor's first mistake. Um, (laughs) but, but, um, so I was in a room with about, with about three or four guys and we were right next to the room with the, uh, with the, with the youth pastor in it and he had three or four guys in his thing, in his room. And so they had purchased, uh, boxes of Pop-Tarts for us to, uh, us to have for the different breakfasts and snacks throughout the day whatever but um, we we'd ate all of ours so we had an empty box of Pop Tarts um, and uh, and so we got we got thinking about what we could uh, we were actually been thinking about pranks that we could do all day well our room was connected to the other room by a uh, a conjoining door but also via a um, an outdoor patio which both the doors were locked and so you couldn't access the you know, the the other door unless they unlock theirs. During the day, I had thought ahead. I went into the youth pastor's room uh, right before bedtime, and I unlocked their patio door. Um, and I really didn't know what we were going to do, but I just thought, hey, if we're going to prank them, this is a good start. And so we're just thinking through this process as we go along. Um, it's And so it's like the middle of the night. It's like 2 or 3 in the morning, and we are uh, we're trying to think what we what we can do, and um, we decided. Um, someone may or may not have been me. Um, decided to to have someone. How, how should I put this? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 to have someone go to the bathroom Whoa. inside one of these empty Pop Tart boxes, and then we right. snuck it over to the youth pastor's room. And switched out their full Pop Tart box uh, with our also full Pop Tart box <laughs> and stuck it back over. Um, then locked the door on the way out, locked our doors. The next morning, we heard a ton of screaming from the other room. And uh, the youth pastor, oh, um, knowing that all the doors were locked, started blaming the kids in his room um, because logically, it couldn't have been anyone else besides the people. Uh, in his own room, and uh, um, needless to say, uh, we never said a word, and um, no one ever knew it was us except uh, that uh, um, motley crew, band of brothers, um, if you please, will.
0: Please tell me that you sharpie poop tarts. On the box.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tim Hawkins does have a joke where uh, something about popping a tart while you're popping a tart. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was very, uh, very reminiscent of that. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, so when I think of, of bad youth leaders, I think that's I think that's worse um, than just uh, doing fake vomit outside of your car. Uh, I think I think it was I think it was David, wasn't it, that said that Chase Chase. Uh, yeah. Yes. So 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 I, I mean I think that's worse. Um, but uh, I mean that's still. Pretty
0: In fairness, you were just an intern. And Chase was the actor. (laughs) I still wouldn't let
1: him watch my children.
0: (laughs) I would let him watch mine, but I don't have very discerning taste when it comes to baby (laughs) dinners. It was like, oh, you want to watch six kids? (laughs) Have at it. (laughs) All right. So, uh, um, probably need to do contact info. Uh, So, uh, Jeremiah, uh, where can... uh, the people actually reach uh, the gospel friends.
3: Um. Yeah. I mean. So there's multiple ways that you can get a hold of them. Um. You know. Your mileage may vary on any one of these. Um. You know. Since they're um, predisposed at an unknown location, for all um, we
2: know, the the machine over there in the corner is full.
3: Uh. You know. Yeah. That 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 voicemail machine does like it's blinking. It's probably full. But uh, anyway, uh, you can uh, you can. Uh, you can follow, uh, follow them on Twitter, at MyGospelFriends. Um, on Facebook, there's a Facebook group you can get to by going to HallOfDogma.com. That forwards straight to the Facebook group. Um, a lot of uh, interesting conversations there. Um, if you've enjoyed any of this um, conversation today, um, a lot of similar conversations going on there. A lot of source material um, ends up uh, being in the Hall of Dogma. Um, You can uh, email them at thegospelfriends at gmail.com and uh, leave them a voicemail at 205-575-9735 or at speakpipe.com slash thegospelfriends. Um, So there's a bunch of ways of getting a hold of them. Um, Like I said, your mileage may vary, um, but if nothing else, join us in the Hall of Dogma group on Facebook, hallofdogma.com, and at the very least, We will talk to you there.
0: (laughs) Until we become big, and then we'll ignore you (laughs) too.
3: All right. Join us next time when you may hear Nathan say.
0: Seriously, don't force us to do this again. Ooh. Hi, welcome to episode 101 of the Gospel Friends. I am Nathan, the benefactor Martin. I am Chris, the King of Memes Atwood. I'm
3: Jeremiah, King Cadaver. Nope, not King Cadaver. <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Steve. Alright. Alright, so, so uh, do we uh do we go into the usual uh, until Nathan says or whatever do I sing an impromptu song on my guitar? I don't know. We have a variety of options.
3: As long as you're well, I, I kinda do kinda do like, whatever like you learned. I kinda like that song. I do like so, that. Song. So as long as your guitar's <laughs> in
0: tune. <laughs> i like, like we can do it out of that. You like it out of tune Steve's like, I'm not the musical one.
1: It's out good attitude.
0: Alright. Nick's editing this right now. He's like, <laughs> What in God's name is going on?
3: So, so what's the what's the outro? Until yeah, next, time. next time. So you, you might hear Nathan say, and then you start playing.
0: Yeah. What 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 do they say? How do they join enjoy? us next time? When join us next time. You might hear.
1: Yeah.
3: All right. Are
0: you still recording? Yeah. i Am gonna like not? <laughs>
3: I think he's expecting us to. I think the whole reason, I mean, they are, they are laid up in a, in a
1: rehab clinic somewhere. There's no need to edit anything. It's all good.
2: <laughs> well, let's just be honest. He Nick's did probably say he was not in the rehab. He's been, you know, abducted because he's not part of the reform crowd. So we just need to continue to chant for freeing Nick because
3: he is subdued and oppressed somehow. Right. Maybe he's just laying low. Like, he's, he saw them <laughs> be abducted and he's like, whoa, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh.
0: All right, so uh, any other what-were-you-thinkings? That was a pretty potent one.
3: Yeah,
0: good one. Um, So, all right. <clears throat> now it's time to play the game. No? <laughs> you know We know exactly <clears throat> what here. No, no. Jeremiah? No game. Oh. I don't see that in the Google Doc. Alright. He just deleted it from the Google Doc. It is absolutely
1: going just now. Alright.
0: No game. It's like Bernie in
1: a
2: presidential (gasps) race. It's gone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Along with all our hopes and dreams. Alright. Um...
1: You guys, uh, Taco Bell. Anyone? I'm out.
0: Oh, I need a beer. <laughs>